0: Welcome Welcome to Decision Space, the only show that takes place right here between the turns in your favorite games. I'm Jake Friedman. And I'm
1: Brendan Hansen.
0: And this is the podcast about decisions in games.
1: And in today's episode, we're doing a what we talk about where we explore player interaction in board games. This is going to be a sort of sweeping episode where we look at what is player interaction? What does it add to a game? How do we define player interaction? What are the different ways in which we might see player action interaction show up in games? There's tons of different categories and examples that we have of different sort of genres or, or styles of games that facilitate strong interaction. And we'll also talk about how the sort of edges of interaction and where maybe interaction can go really wrong, uh, leading to maybe instances of kingmaking or uh, just other instances of players politicking so much that the game itself becomes the interactive choice rather than some other objective that players are looking at so we're going to get into all of these things and more
0: sounds good and i think this is a huge topic obviously so let's give ourselves permission at the top to kind of see where we're at after an hour of discussion maybe this is something maybe we'll find areas that we want to explore deeper on a future episode maybe this is a two-parter but I think, yeah, I think we should just kind of allow the conversation to go where it naturally does. And I'm just really excited to discuss interaction in games with you. Selfishly, I'll be a little bit vulnerable in my playgroup. Um, the Laughing Table Friends group, I am the person in our group that often has the hardest time with interaction. Like my group wants really interactive games. Mm -hmm. And I almost want to say more often than not, I walk away from those games feeling frustrated in some way. So maybe I can start to understand what it is about interaction maybe it's some form of interaction that's rubbing me the wrong way because i want i want to be an omni gamer you know i don't want to be someone who's just only uh wanting to go back to like the same type of game over and over again so i'm interested in part selfishly in having this conversation to kind of see if i can't understand my own preferences a little bit more um so i'll probably be bouncing some ideas off of you
1: and then on the other side i think i certainly out of the two of us jake much prefer I mean, I enjoy all types of games, just like I think you do. Though I like interactive games slightly more than you. I'm not a part of the Laughing Table Friends. I don't get the pleasure of playing with you guys every every Monday night. But I will say, when I do sit down to play games, I tend to prefer more interactive experiences than less. But there's certainly non-interactive games or low interaction games that I adore and love. Um, so I think as we get into this, we always want to be upfront and clear about our biases. And I think it'll be an interesting conversation to kind of explore player interaction from the point of view of someone who maybe leans away from it and someone who maybe leans a little bit into it and this latter being myself and the former being jake yeah so
0: maybe as a way to get into this conversation brendan i can kind of give a short anecdote from a game that i recently played that heavily featured interaction
1: that sounds great yeah let's do it okay
0: so recently at uh my monday night laughing table friends game night we played the game pipeline are you familiar with pipeline by capstone i am
1: ryan courtney an economic game about building pipes and using your money to make more money right
0: yeah yeah exactly so it's in i would say it's on the higher end of interaction there's a limited supply of pipes there's a limited supply of tanks that you're going to want to put your i guess they're like oil refinery tanks just different tiles that you'll be putting on your board uh, and so there's some amount of interaction as players are competing for these limited resources, a la Castles of Burgundy or something like that. Then there's this one extra mechanism where there's there's different upgrades that you can buy and kind of like advance your technology. And there's five different technology tracks. And the way it works is once you invest in a level one of the technology, if you have a level one, then you can purchase the level two technology in that in the subsequent round however only one player is able to purchase that type of technology in in a round so if i buy the human resources technology card one that means in round two i'll be eligible to buy the level two tech but if somebody beats me to that in round two and buys hr level one then i won't be able to buy hr level two Right? And it's only a three-round game. So in order to get to this incredibly powerful third-level tech, you have to buy level one in round one, level two in round two, and level three in round three. So the way our play played out was player one, player A bought one technology, player B bought a different type of technology. I, the third person to buy technology, bought a different type of technology. Uh, and then we went on to the second round, and I guess maybe the fourth player also bought a different technology. Then in the second round, player one bought level two. Player two bought level two in theirs. Uh, and then player four bought level one in the technology I had, locking me out of getting to level two that round and level three permanently in the game. So what ended up happening in our play uh, was that in level in round three, players eligible to buy their third level techs did uh, and got a huge benefit and both ended up finishing with something like 600 points or 500 points where the two players myself and the other ended up scoring like a hundred points or 150 points and that amount that interaction there it just felt you know it felt disproportionately impactful in the whole play of the game like it felt like in order you know having played this once, You know, as kind of a learning game for all of us, it felt like, you know, to do well, you really have to get up to level three. And if you if you don't, you're going to have a much harder time. And it just felt so punishing and almost random in a way that like because that player chose to buy the tech that I desperately needed in round two, that I was just more or less iced out of the
1: game. Mm. Okay, so this is an example of for Jake for you of negative player interaction right and do you think that i have a i guess a clarifying question as we like use this as a prompt to kick off our conversation on player interaction was yeah. the timing this being I was mad at the end of the game. I
0: was like, I don't feel good about this. Like I wanted to like talk about you were so mad you wanted happened. to record an
1: episode about player. Exactly. interaction. Exactly. I
0: was like, we have to talk yeah. about player interaction, because this doesn't feel good to me.
1: So an interesting thing there is right, like, in some ways, so if we're, that's define player interaction. And then we'll we'll continue our conversation mm-hmm. here. So I think a definition for player interaction might be player interaction is something that occurs in games when players become a direct obstacle, or direct aid to another player, right? oftentimes when we have a game or a game system it's the game system itself that's being presenting an obstacle to the player right i i have to roll some dice if i roll dice i will get resources i roll those dice the dice don't roll in the exact way i want them to to get the resources i want the game is an obstacle versus a different game where we roll a bunch of dice and then we take turns going around the table and drafting those dice to get our resources in that second instance that's a more interactive experience because we're picking from the same pool of dice. And if I take the apple resource, that means Jake then can't come back and get the apple resource, which is a really different game and experience than when I just roll dice and see if I got apples. That it it changes the flavor. It changes the, the agency we have to affect the game. In terms of our own experience, but also other players' experience. And you can have positive player interaction where you become an obstacle to each other, or, or excuse me, negative player interaction, potentially. Though I would argue that they are all negative, but the potential to become an obstacle for someone or positive player interaction where you become a direct aid to someone. So I would say in Jake's instance, this is an example of... N- negative player interaction or just direct player interaction
0: yes well can i just really quickly say like i agree with that definition the way i've been thinking about it similarly is that uh, uh another player in the game does something that like impacts sure. your choices in the game mm-hmm. because there could be mm. uh, in a completely non-interactive game yep. like I, I don't i do have an example that comes like let's say oh, Yahtzee or sure
1: next station london uh, we, rolling right or yahtzee sure
0: yeah Yahtzee. So if if you do really, really well, that impacts my decision making in the game because like, okay, if I want to win this game, I need to get a Yahtzee here because Brendan's already doing so well. So I'm not going to take something safe. But that doesn't actually, that's still a non-interactive game because it doesn't actually impact the choices that I have available to me in the same way that it does if you know you take away a resource out of the you know general supply or you give me income in some way and now i have the ability to do something different on my turn
1: And I think that the cool thing about player interaction is that it adds uncertainty, because we don't know what other players will do right at any given game. The interesting thing about uncertainty is you could actually have a game with no randomness. uh, But if there's enough player interaction, there's real uncertainty. And we know that uncertainty, whether it comes from randomness or player behavior, is partially what makes a game interesting. If I always know what will happen in the game then I can always make the same decisions and get the same result and that's going to be a less interesting game than one where I have to adapt to the play environment because of a random because of some form of uncertainty whether it's player interaction other player behavior or randomness and i think that player interaction leads to typically a feel of more control in the game or in Jake's experience a feeling of complete powerlessness because other players exerted greater agency and it impacted Jake negatively in this example yes okay yeah and so and so what was your question about my question about the pipeline example is i guess this question of like Did player order matter in that experience, right? When it came back for everyone to then buy their technologies, was there there the opportunity for other players at the table to then buy the level one technologies of the players that wanted those level three technologies and they opted not to? Or was it such that they didn't? And then I guess it doesn't matter also because then you just feel forced to make a decision potentially. But go, sorry. Well,
0: yeah, I think this being a learning game, I think that this particular upgrade mechanism is probably something that makes advanced level play of this game really rich sure. okay because if i'm investing such significant uh, amount of my game uh to this track like this technology track then i would anticipate that other players who are experienced with the game would see that and try to cancel me out right and and make it so i can't achieve that goal so i would be taking a calculated Mm -hmm. risk but this being like a learning game you know i think i I didn't feel like i was taking a risk when i bought that level one tech i thought like okay we're all just doing kind of like different things in this learning game uh and then so it just felt totally random when in the next round uh you know one of the players chose you know instead of going for their level two tech to just like kill me (laughs) you know like totally just uh you know it it could have been anyone right but because he went after my thing like i just it just felt like okay well i'm out of this game now and that felt like yeah to your point like like powerless in that sense where like i don't know that i could have necessarily predicted that behavior in any way and and i and it also i it also was not A calculated move where that player was like oh jake's doing well with this i need to make sure he doesn't get that it was just a matter of that player looking at the options on his turn and being like buying this tech helps me like marginally Mm -hmm. more in their mind than a different move Uh, and and just the impact of that was that it felt as though basically all the decisions i was making in this game were kind of invalidated by this kind of random event yeah. because the the interaction was so impactful yeah. on my ability to to make future choices in the game.
1: Okay, so i think that one really interesting thing is it sounds like this is a a particular instance of a high player interaction high agency player interaction and i think that the agency in terms you can have really interactive games that give players slightly less agency to interact with one another right or you can have really interactive games that give players a ton of agency to interact with one another so i guess what i mean by this is there's games like tigris and euphrates that's a really highly interactive game uh, from writer Kanetsian, which are trying to basically craft the board to start wars that play out in your favor. So I'm trying to come and through building my tiles in a certain way, tear down Jake's tiles in a certain way and benefit from that direct interaction. But the tiles that I have that are coming in to, to inform my options are random. So I have some agency, but I can't just say, okay, now's when I'm going to spend this. I don't know, this resource that we've all had the whole time saving up, right? Like I have a, I have tools, but they're not as sharp as they get. Whereas there's games like say, it sounds like Pipeline, that's a pretty high interactive player interactive moment or high agency player interactive moment. Another example of this that we've talked about on the show before is Zuvatis is a, is a good example. Zuvatis is a, a negotiation game in which players are trying to advance to this final exhibit. Uh, and you, you want to advance to this final exhibit, but also have the most points when you get there. And you're negotiating using your points to try to move along this path towards that final end location that everyone's trying to move to. And you're trying to make deals with one another, usually trading points for powers or points for votes, allowing you to move forward. And that's a game that doesn't put a lot of limits on the type of interaction that you can have. So you have really high agency. You could say, oh, I'll give you two points for that. Or you could say, I will give you all my points because I'm mad at yes. the player across the table and I don't want them to win. And I think that that's an example, especially for you, Jake, where the game warps and kind of breaks down and can start to feel less meaningful in part because it starts to feel, I think, less fair. So... Right. Okay. You
0: Yeah. So let's let's bring that zoo Vadis example okay. in, which we've talked about on this podcast before. We had a, you know, a very memorable play of Zo at Geekway last year, uh, with a bunch of podcast listeners and friends that ended up with me in a strong position, like I had sort of played the whole game you know it's it, what was it? an hour 45 minutes and it's at the very end of the game and i had you know wheeled and dealed and put myself in a position to where i had leverage i could use my vote to you know put one of two players subsequent me to, following me and in play into the star exhibit where you had to uh, get to the star exhibit to win and being a negotiation game i chose perhaps poorly to leverage that position and say hey i have something that you want player a and you want player b so you know how much is that worth to you player a and it was like i'll give you four points Mm -hmm. and i was like okay player b how much would you you know how much is it worth it to you would you give me five points which you know is how i think We kind of imagine these negotiations go in this type of Mm -hmm. game. And instead of saying, I'll give you five points, he said, no, thank you. I'll choose option C and give all of my points and my vote to player B. And that very much felt like, okay, you know, (laughs) what is the actual like point of what we're doing here? You know, it felt like, okay, I played this game got in a position where I could leverage, you know, leverage it. And if that's not sort of the point of the game, you know, and perhaps, yeah, maybe you know, egg on my face for trying to do that. I was, you know, trying to leverage that too much or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, that definitely that extreme agency, high agency player interaction there definitely did make me feel like I fundamentally like don't understand the purpose of, it made it feel like everything else we'd done this game didn't matter because of that choice at the end of the game.
1: And I think that so I think kind of what we're teasing out right is that from a design perspective, high player agency player games with player interaction can be really exciting because they can give players the tools to make interesting and meaningful decisions and create memorable moments. So I'm going to just add another example and then i'll talk about why i'm talking about this so cosmic encounter is another game known for being highly interactive and giving players I'd say fairly high it's not perfect agency but fairly high in an agency to interact and it's also a game that's really well known as being fairly having these unique alien powers of varying levels and the design philosophy of that game is we'll give players lots of agency to interact with one another to balance the environment around their perception Of of who's winning, of this relative strength of individual player powers, et cetera, right? So the game is saying, I think the best way to create a fun experience is to create real imbalances that maybe in in sort of the power level that players start at that maybe simulates an actual environment or models an actual you know real world thing more closely than a symmetric game would, but it creates great responsibility for the players to understand the game environment and act rationally in terms of trying to uh, all sort of evaluate and play. So I think one of the reasons why, sort of in the Zuvanis example, right? It breaks down in some ways when players wield that sort of great power without responsibility from the perspective of of all trying to win or s- some form of magic circle and can f- break apart and allow for king making. And I didn't say that quite as elegantly as I wanted. I have this like Spider-Man quote of like with great power comes yeah. great responsibility. And I think with high player interaction, with high player agency comes great responsibility to the players to utilize it effectively. And that won't always happen, right? We don't all see games the same way. And it can shift the game towards this politicking type environment where I'm sitting across the table saying, Jake, I can't believe what you're choosing to do. Morgan is clearly winning this game. She's ahead. Uh, She's obviously ahead. And meanwhile, you know, Maya sitting over here saying, Brendan, you're crazy. There's no way Morgan's winning. And the game kind of, no matter what game was on the table, we could be having that same conversation no matter what game we were playing because we have pushed the player and agency so far that the decisions in the game are too close to Brendan decides who wins or Jake decides who wins based on the decision he makes. So it functionally stops mattering what the game is on the table and just starts mattering the, what the conversation playing out above the table is. And I think that's where a lot of people get lost with player interaction because we don't yeah. want to feel like it doesn't matter what game we're playing, right? Like if the right. conversation could play out in any way, it makes the game itself feel frivolous. And for a lot of us, that's not the point.
0: Right. Yeah. It, it very, It's very interesting because, you know, I guess the term, I want to maybe draw a distinction in one second, but... The term we're using here is high agency player interaction games mm-hmm. are just more susceptible to any kind of fault line that you have in your magic circle of people not viewing what we're doing here, you know, what the goal is of the game and what is kind of the bounds mm-hmm. of acceptable play. Mm-hmm. It can cause a massive earthquake in a way that less lower agency but still interactive games cannot you know like i can play like castles of burgundy so a go-to example for me like a classic midway euro game it almost doesn't really matter what the magic circle is because and i'd still have fun like if somebody was new to the game and they were like we're gonna team up and not take each other's tiles that we want i might be like think hey that's kind of annoying but the interaction while present is sufficiently diffused by like rigid mechanisms in the game that I think I could still have an enjoyable time playing the game and enjoying the puzzle in front of me. Whereas if the same, you know, if something if that were to occur in you know I don't know Zuvatis or or whatever, where somebody's like I'm just gonna give all my give up my chance of winning and just give all my resources to you know player B just because, yeah. then the game starts to breakdown which i do think is true of what happened in that zuvadis example maybe that's not a failing of the game but i think probably a lot of people listening here might think okay well that that player who kind of through the game at the end engaged in like an unacceptable or inappropriate I should say it's not like it's not that serious but like an inappropriate level of king making mm-hmm.
1: King making being right that's the finer term just in case King making being one player makes a decision that effectively they choose who wins the game yeah. right
0: yeah right which is which is when that happens and I think often it's like I'm giving up my position in this game. Because I'm likely not going to win, and so I'm just going to instead. If you, if, I'm just I'm going to like you know make myself like kind of the hero of the story and manipulate the game state that I I got to have a, my agency was felt not by winning but by choosing yeah, the. If outcome. I can't
1: win, I'm going to choose who does. Yeah,
0: and yeah. I think okay, and some groups might like that, yeah. you know, and and some groups are very much okay with that, but that does feel like something that you would want to clear ahead of time, right? And I think that's just right. That's what like these high agency games require is like a crystal clear understanding of the terms of engagement i think
1: also too jake just with the zubatis example right like why why does Kanitia allow just anything goes in an interaction in a in his negotiation game right and i think that there's reasons why a design might want something want those sort of parameters right when you have this sort of like high agency for the players to interact with one another and make deals that are varied and nuanced you you create an environment that makes players Feel a sense of creativity in a game like Zuvatis that makes you potentially feel really conniving or smart in terms of setting up your negotiations, it can give you a a prolonged sense of planning if you make long term deals, Jake, I'll vote for you here, but Every future situation in which we could, and and I'll give you three victory points, but every time you could vote for me in the future, you have to vote for me to move on. Do you agree to the deal, right? That's interesting. That's a cool thing. I can make a deal that I've never seen made before in the game, and we can see the consequences of that play out in the system. But if every game of Zuvadis I ever played came down to a king-making situation in which someone gives all of their points away to someone else, it just leads to this deflated balloon endgame so then then you get to that point where you sort of say, okay, then we need to create sort of within the magic circle of our play group of Zubatis, let's just make a rule where we, we don't like that behavior, we feel it's ruining the experience for us on the whole, and you kind of pull back. And I don't think we need to have a conversation about house rules or whatever now. I think it, we've illustrated yeah, our know. point, but I think there's there's really interesting ways in which high player agency interaction can be amazing and interesting and lead to these highly memorable moments and it can also just jettison the game into sort of deflated non feeling of it mattering at all, which is not what people want. It's everyone who sits down at the table to play a game. I think for the most parts, part would like to feel as if it's a, a worthwhile use of their time. It mattered what game was on the table, not just who else was there, and that one person navigated that game environment better than everyone else. And so they became the winner. We don't want Mm -hmm. our play to feel frivolous. So the risk is high player agency can make it can lead to the opposite of a game feeling frivolous, but at the very extreme can actually loop back around itself and make the whole experience feel totally frivolous.
0: Awesome. Yes. Well said. And so I mentioned I wanted to kind of define define terms here because we've been talking about high agency player interaction, but I think that's a little bit different than what went on in pipeline Mm. where the terms of engagement are much more refined, streamlined, right? There are, there are only a few ways you can interact. I can't just give somebody a bunch of money at the end of the game in pipeline. And I think it'd be really difficult to meaningfully King make in in, pipeline. Even if I wanted somebody else to win, there's just not that much blocking. Instead, it's kind of all the impact of, the player interaction is centered on certain aspects of the game. So that doesn't feel like high agency player interaction and yet it is high
1: impact mm, player. Yeah.
0: Right. If that makes sense, like, you know, we could think of a toy game example, which it would be, you know, maybe a, a game where everybody, it's just a normal game. We're playing candy land, except for like, everybody has, has a card. Uh, Where they'll secretly write somebody's name on at the beginning and at the end of the game, if somebody wrote your name down, then you can't win, Mm. right? Like that's not high agency interaction, but it's really high impact. Mm. So I think there's sort of a nuance here or or I don't know if it's a... kind of like a dichotomy between the two that i do think is useful in understanding the way player interaction shows up in games and it does create different feelings i
1: think that can i give an example and we can sort of tease it out because i think this will be interesting because we've been talking about like really interactive high player agency games right like Zuvadis or like a negotiation game, yeah, the resistance game. those are always yeah.
0: going basically every negotiation game <laughs> is going to have that the same issue in Zuvadis that we talked about, where if somebody wanted to, they can basically throw it at the end. Or
1: even a game like Modern Art, a lot of auction games allow you to do that because you have no limits outside of on what you spend, maybe. Um, But okay, so a medium interaction Euro game uh, that I think you could have this sort of high impact interaction moment, which is what you're dialing in on. Right. And I think a good example of this might be a game like Ticket to Ride. In Ticket to Ride, the game is essentially when do you get more resources to be able to play to the board versus when do you play to the board and claim locations. It's about jockeying for having more information versus choosing your path. And I think that, so in Ticket to Ride, to be able to do that, you have to collect cards of uh, of matching colors. And then once you have enough of those, you can play your own trains to routes that match those colors. So you can't just block anyone anywhere at any time uh, because you have to have the right number of trains in, a, in the right color to block a specific route that someone might route, that someone might want. So you don't have super high agency, but... If you block someone at the right time in that game, if there's a crucial route that you can lay down your pieces first and stop someone from maybe connecting Two of their objectives, you can have what you're talking about, Jake. This this sort of moment of really high impact player interaction. You I would argue oftentimes in Ticket to Ride because there's so many options on the board. The board is also about the efficiency of going around other people and planning for that sort of blocking. That oftentimes in Ticket to Ride it feels fair, but I could see a really late game moment decision by one player who was out of the game. You could I could block this route that would benefit would hurt Jake and benefit Tyler, or I could block this route. That would benefit Tyler and hurt Jake. They're both the same length. And I could play either of these two sets of cards that I have. They'll give me the same points. Now I get to choose who I help. I'm going to help myself either way. So I'm in a position where I'm just choosing who I hurt.
0: Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's exactly right. And I think now we're kind of getting into like elements that can mitigate the feels in that in interaction where in ticket to ride you almost have when you're like i'm trying to block somebody you kind of have plausible deniability you're like because i don't know it's impossible to know for certain i don't know what your objectives are so i i can think like oh you're probably trying to link up these or you're going to want to link up your train routes if you you know built in separate segments so going in between you is going to make that more difficult yeah. um, but sometimes you know i just want to build onto the end of one of your trains in the hopes that i'm making life more difficult for you but it, it may not be right and almost always like you're trying to help yourself in some way too so it like the fact that you don't know what somebody's objective are i think does really mitigate that uh so that's almost like a different axis of player interaction which i think changes the decision space as well as the feel of the game, which is like how clear are Mm. the outcomes of the interaction. Sure. Right.
1: What was your motivation for doing that? Right. But, well,
0: I mean, and even the motive, I mean, I think motivation gets to part of it, right? Where it's going to be like, this is marginally the best move for me, or maybe it's even like slightly worse for me than a different move is. But if I do this, it's so devastating to Brendan Mm. that he's, out of the game right and knowing that and making that choice is like a different feel to you know take a Ride where I'm like I think I'm blocking Brendan here and I'd like to right <laughs> but I don't know for yeah. sure
1: no that's really really interesting I think that's a great point whereas in Zuvadis if you give away all your points it's pretty clear what you were doing yeah yeah
0: like in like in pipeline like when the person took the tech that i wanted n- yeah. was wanted like everybody at the table was just like oh shit mm. <laughs> like yeah that's that's rough like i think actually Jared's is like oh dude like and because it's like a, a learning game like i had just made a move that was going to be like made infinitely worse yeah. for me not infinitely but a lot worse for me because of that happening and he was like do you want to like walk that back because it was just like you know so clear how much it was gonna just you know kill me i think
1: that's a really interesting point too jake right so something you when in thinking about a game and evaluating sort of how much the player interaction might affect the play experience of the players there's both the level of interaction right you could have a non-interaction game like next station london or yahtzee like our example where these like super high interaction games like the resistance or Zuvatis and everything in between, but you also have to take into account how much, when you do interact, does it have the potential to hurt certain players and help other players? So are there, in Ticket to Ride, there's often other options that a player can take when they're blocked. Oh, it'll be more inefficient for me to do this, but I'll go around. It'll it'll blunt my ability to score as highly but I won't effectively lose immediately if I get lucky maybe, and I can draw into the right cards and that plays my benefit. Whereas in the example you're talking about, it's so much, it's the your ability to really shape who comes out a winner and who comes out a loser in any interaction is so impactful that that leads to the bad feeling another example that comes to mind is somewhat like a game like keyflower keyflower is a game that has a ton of blocking it's an auction game we've talked about how auctions typically have higher player interaction it's also a worker placement game so it has blocking and in that game you do have the potential to sort of say uh, you can never uh, there's a rule where basically you can never have more than six workers on a spot. And you also have to always bid with, uh, whenever you use a spot, use one more than the number last used there. So if someone uses one, then the next time you have to use two. But if you just started and you laid down three workers on a tile, say Jake just upgraded this great tile that he's really excited to use that gives him two gold. And I see that it's part of his strategy. I can just spend three workers, use that for myself and block it for the rest of the game. That's potentially yeah. high impact, but a way Keyflower adjusts sort of accounts for this, and I think it's the saving grace of that game, where there's this moment of high player interaction that could really potentially hurt, is you have all the options to use anyone's tiles in the game. So Jake, even if you get blocked, you because in Keyflower, you would get my ne- the meeples that I use to block your tile at the end of the game. And then you could also then just use anyone else's tile in the game. You have a lot of other right. options to go around. Whereas in your pipeline example, well, you didn't get the level 3 resource or level 3 tech you wanted, and there's no level 3 tech you can otherwise go get. So you're feeling the the impact of being blocked from that one thing much more greatly than you might if there were other options you could pursue.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think like not to make this whole episode about pipeline, <laughs> but I think like a, a quick a quick fix for that game that I I might that might suit better my preferences for interaction would be that multiple people can go to the same type of tech in a round like it felt it feels like that rule of only one person you know only one type of tech can be bought each round is just there to like turn the interaction level right like that that like slider up to max it's like we want this game to be incredibly interactive so we're gonna have this you know mechanism where somebody can just Kill another player if they want to in in that way. Whereas a different game, it would say, "Okay, well, I'm going for the level two one, and player B is going for the level one one. That's Mm. fine, right? We're not even overlapping."
1: Or maybe it's there to sort of encourage the sort of strategic diversity and force players to kind of take on these different paths. But even if that's the case, the sort of emergent consequences of something like that leads to the potential for this really harsh player interaction. Yeah. Yeah.
0: so what I think we have going here, Brendan, is like a classic spectrum, mm-hmm. or a what is it like a grid or whatever?
1: Sure. Okay. What What do you call yeah, it? Yeah. Like like a, you have a grid. You know, like a you know a quadrant, right? Uh, yeah, a quadrant. Yeah. We've got quadrants
0: yeah. where you've got high agency to low agency mm-hmm. on the x axis, the x y, yeah. the x axis, and the y axis would be high impact to low impact. Sure. And I think we could find games that fit into each section of the quadrant. Yeah. Uh, like I was thinking of, this wouldn't be like all the way to low impact. Like I was, what would a high agency, low impact game be like? And I think that's something like Settlers of Catan mm. where you're always able to trade with people, but that trading is not as impactful as like the board, right? Getting the right spaces on the board and, and the results of the dice. Yeah. Like if you know what I mean, like that's a negotiation and trading game. But because of the importance those other mechanisms take in in Catan, that it definitely feels less impactful, though. I mean, you know, again, not all the way down to like low, like super low, but but it's definitely a lot less impactful, the trading and negotiating there than it feels in a cosmic encounter or a Zuvatis. And
1: maybe an example, Jake, of something that's low agency High impact would be something like Imhotep, where you're really, as a player, your tool for interaction is you're all playing your cubes to these shared boats that you want to get to certain scoring locations. And on a player's turn, they can choose if they want to add cubes to boats or sail a boat to a location. So you're given this really blunt tool to interact with one another. I choose, you can choose when to send a given boat, and whoever's cubes are in that boat, you're effectively interacting with that player. You're choosing how they will progress in the game so you have fairly low agency that's not a really sort of sharp tool for interacting with one another but you have a huge potential impact uh, in terms of when and where you send those boats is effectively the game
0: yeah i think i think your low agency high impact Quadrant, that's like your meaty, you know, interactive Euro games. I think that's like your pipelines. That's probably where like a game like Barrage would go where it's like you can really have extremely impactful player interaction but It's all like very rigid in how you're able to implement that.
1: Okay, so and then low and low is obvious. That's something I don't know. Like welcome to where you have sure, or even if there's some, you have some sort of you share the the end game timer is shared, but there's no interaction beyond that. Sure, exactly the end game timer. Okay, and then what's the quadrant that we didn't get discuss? It would be
0: high and high, which is your negotiation
1: games, right? Modern art. Or something right and i think i think this is
0: somewhat helpful like i because i i think for me what rubs me well it kind of depends but i mean i I think like the high agency that can it almost is like different kind of pet peeves for me where the high agency like where that rubs me wrong is what like the fault lines in the magic circle Mm
1: yeah where the Whereas, game is you don't want your games to lose meaning because someone has so much agency they can make it feel like the game on the table doesn't matter you want the game on the table to matter i was better at this game than you i navigated the mechanisms more effectively so that's why i won yeah i think yeah. so
0: for me uh and then the low i think the low agency high impact stuff i can like com- come to appreciate more but I think those can be really frustrating in initial plays Mm. where it's just like, I didn't, I could not really have anticipated that. And oh, yep, yep, you killed me. (laughs) I guess, I guess that's something that could happen to you in this game. But I think typically, like that streamline or, or kind of like reined in on rails, like points of like, this is where we're interacting is helpful for. For me to not feel like okay well I'm just getting screwed like by because somebody's like choosing to screw me as much I don't know what about
1: El Grande so El Grande is a game where you have potential for strong player interaction but not perfectly high agency sort of choosing where you go but you can't always play as much as you want maybe a space you want gets blocked. Uh, because there's this king mechanism where it blocks new pieces from going in or out certainly when you place the king that's a high agency player interaction moment you could really help one player really hurt other players Um, but then oftentimes you're only adding a few cubes to the board. Do you find that a game like that kind of sort of there's also this political component to El Grande that can occur where it's kind of similar to the conversation we were talking about, Jake, where if we're all sitting evaluating the table, you might say, Oh, Jake's clearly ahead. Look, Jake has the most points and he's ahead in these regions. We have to take him down some. Does that go too far for for you in terms of of what you're looking for? Or because none of the agency is so so high that someone across the table can just basically say here jake i'm taking away all your cubes or here tyler i'm taking giving you all my cubes like does that strike a nice balance yeah
0: i mean i really like el grande so i'm trying to think like i and i think what we're getting into is sort of mitigating factors Mm, too yeah like in i think part of the reason el grande works for me is that it's always very clear why people are do are making choices that they're making like in large part like all the information is just right in front of you you know if i have four cubes in area and somebody puts three in so that they have five and i have four that doesn't feel like you're trying to get me or whatever it feels like okay i'm trying to like get the majority in this area Uh, and, And also like the, I guess, kind of like the fluidity or the flow of the game. Means like different players are like rising and falling, so you know it, it might feel bad in El Grande if somebody's going after me when I have you know in last place or something, and it's like you could have equally chose to you know her player go yeah. into an area of the player who has higher points, but I feel like because things are so clear in that game, it, that that rarely comes up, and I think that's that and the fact that like the the mechanisms really kind of limit give players like sufficiently blunt tools make it feel like it it works for me for whatever reason but i've i'm a i'm a hypocrite because you know (laughs) i think this is just an exception
1: and i for whatever reason i think somewhere within that grid that quadrant that we talked about right there are those I guess the sort of coordinate plane, there is a sweet spot for you that's probably like a circle somewhere drawn in that or maybe this oblong shape and El Grande sneaks in just enough. Right, where it's
0: higher higher interaction and like higher agency, but it's not the highest, right? And maybe that's like pipeline is just...
1: It just gets a little too extreme, yeah. I think. For me, to your point too, Jake. Another way in which I think El Grande works is that there's the simultaneous choice decision of the Castillo. And when I say works, I mean works for you. Obviously, all these games work for someone, um, but
0: right, hundred yeah. yeah. percent, yeah.
1: But you're so you're all making you have these re- cubes that you've added to the Castillo that score once, and then you all make a choice simultaneously without knowing what other people at the table decide where those cubes will go and potentially score again by using a little dial in front of you to choose a region. And I think the simultaneous choice there obfuscates enough that for you, Jake, it doesn't necessarily feel targeted because you don't know what the board will be. So again, that that brings up that plausible deniability. Again, oh, I thought you were going to go there. I thought you were going to go to this region. So I went to this other region. But then we both went there. Oh, no, right? It gives you. It doesn't feel so direct because you didn't necessarily know you would bump into the other player when you both ended up there.
0: Yep. Yes, this is, this is helpful, Brendan. I feel like I'm in player interaction therapy right now and I'm, but here's what I'm kind of coming to. I think that the high agency games, the potential challenge is the king making, right? Which, which we're using as sort of a shorthand term for, you know, any type of magic circle misalignment. And I think that the high impact ones, the potential pitfall there is players can feel like they've been targeted. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think both of those things can feel really frustrating. I think, and I think sometimes the targeting one too also can feel like in some, some cases like a misaligned magic circle too, because it's like, okay, like walk me through why I was the target there when this other person was like, you know, doing X, Y, and Z better in the board. But because i was thinking like you know you brought up the resistance earlier and why is that not why does that work so well for me when it's also like a game that has high interaction you know (laughs) high impact interactions high agency and i think it's because it's the same reason why you know like two-player dueling card games work it's like it's just teams Mm -hmm. right like the whole point of the game is to take down the other side so like when the you know spies fail a mission and i'm the resistance it doesn't feel like or they tell me a lie it doesn't feel like oh like why are you doing this to me it's like that is how you know we're all like on the same page right that's the that's the magic circle that's the game we're playing you know you're supposed to be taking down my team i'm trying to take down your team or you know yeah. if we're playing key forge and you kill you're, you're attacking my stuff right i don't feel targeted that's just the game but the social dynamics really come in when it's When it's like a five player game and it's like, I'm going to hurt one person that (laughs) does, you know, it just, I feel like that's just, you know, maybe that's just me, but it's just like an area that is like, I think ripe for
1: potential frustration. I think I can go out on a limb here and Jake make the claim that the reason something like the resistance works for you too, is that when it's a zero sum, when it's two sides, all's fair right? You're going to do right. whatever you want to yeah. win. When anytime you end up in a multiplayer environment with high player agency, high impact interaction, you have the potential for players to make decisions that lead to the game not feeling fair, right? So, so you do this because I feel like it doesn't feel that fair. Well, well, why do you want that player to win? I don't know. I just want them to win. All of a right. sudden, everything, of uh, oftentimes why a lot of people play games is we want to have a fair environment in which to struggle against obstacles we can overcome. When all of a sudden it stops being fair, oh, I just felt like it, that stops being as engaging for a lot of us who are looking for that sort of thing. I think that some of games like this, like Cosmic Encounter sort of says, this isn't a fair game from the start. We're not here to play a fair game. We're here to play an exciting game that's going to leave memorable, give us memorable sort of... Uh, stories to tell after we play like it's very upfront about the fact that like this is not fair that that's not the point of right. this game and I think that can really work if all the players kind of come at it with the same mindset oh I'm supporting Jake because because last time we in the second round of the game Maya you chose to really screw me over and that's right like it's asking you to play that sort of political like long term thing but yeah it's not all for all games and it's not for everyone I don't know yeah
0: and a game like i think i recently played dune which i talked about in this podcast and that i is i don't think a fair game same designers crazy yeah it's a lot of crazy stuff that can happen but it's you know does a really good job and i think the person who taught me the game jared did a really good job of sort of setting like the stage that this is a like we're telling a dune story like crazy stuff will happen And and that's okay. So I think a lot of it is sort of setting the expectation, and and at the same time, like I I don't think that's for me, right? It's not sufficient to just say, okay, we're gonna play this like combat space game or whatever for for game night this week, and it's not a fair game. So like, let's just enjoy the story, that because that's not necessarily gonna be a fulfilling experience to me every time.
1: Totally. Okay, Jake, we're really close to the end of this episode.
0: I have a list yeah. of... A, How do we do on the notes?
1: Well, okay, so I have a list of the sort of like 10... We, I think we did a great job overall having an interesting conversation, which is always our goal. We have like 10 different categories of games that tend to have high interaction that I feel like maybe yeah. we could just call out and mention as sort of an example and maybe a high point and a low point of that interaction as like a, a lightning experience. What do you think? Let's do okay. it. Yeah, man, that sounds great. So one vehicle of player interaction that I tend to find I really love is are those simultaneous choice player interaction moments like we talked about in El Grande. So other types of games that play into this are games like Race to the Galaxy, or sorry, Race for the Galaxy. Functionally, almost a multiplayer solitaire type experience. It's not super interactive. I work on my Tableau. Everyone else works on theirs. Except... The core core action selection mechanism of the game is interactive because we all make a decision uh, of what actions we'll take in the same round together. So it brings us all together. I love that type of simultaneous choice because it forces me into the heads of the other players. So I'm not just interacting with the position that players have, but I'm interacting with how I think players think of the position they have and how I think they think of my position and what I'll do. Drafting games also fall into this category a little bit.
0: These games work great for me. Uh, I feel like they can be kind of a sweet spot between someone like myself that's kind of just like more challenged by high interaction games, and that just sort of we're at the beginning of the round we're setting the terms of engagement, mm-hmm. and then I still get to have my <laughs> sure. fun, like you know, kind of like okay, now I get to have fun and figure out what the most efficient thing to do is yeah. within the confines of what we've decided collectively. Totally. That feels great. It doesn't feel like a lonely solitary experience, but it also doesn't feel like you know often that I'm being like targeted or you know randomly eliminated from the game by the choice of someone else
1: i think that another category of highly interactive games that we often see are just conflict and combat games oftentimes when people say interactive games i think an example you could go back to is just even something like risk you decide who you hit and the game is who can hit at the right time and who can hit the hardest and in risk maybe who gets lucky with the dice. But there's lots of games that fall in this category that could be really interesting, like Root or even Memoir 44. Uh, These are sort of, that's like classic, what I think of as like classic game player interaction, right? Like direct conflict. When I take, when I hurt you, it helps me.
0: Yep. Yeah, definitely. These ones don't work so great for me, if you could believe that. (laughs) (laughs) Because I feel like ripe for sort of those rifts in the social the magic circle and also targeting and i feel like the big challenge here when you're doing this in a two-player version great when it's a multiplayer section it's just like the political the calculus of like how much do i want to go and attack somebody else while player you know the the player's not involved reap the benefits is so tough and i've you know it can just so quickly be like okay i'm now i'm mad that you've attacked me so okay great now we're just going to mutually assured destruction over these either. are the games
1: that can shift towards politicking and almost encourage it in a lot of cases because oftentimes you don't yep. have enough agency you can make a impact in the game so you have to yeah navigate them what's games. next okay auctions auctions are another example of high player interaction games oftentimes there'll be sort of little twists uh, but i find that when i'm looking to play something really interactive sometimes auction games like modern art or Keyflower, which i mentioned are are tend to really scratch that itch in their own way. Though these also, like we said earlier, can kind of lean towards maybe so high impact that if players don't all have the same read on the game things can go wonky it's no fun playing modern art with someone who doesn't really get how to evaluate how much something might even be worth at the end of the game and is always willing to overspend because then the game just becomes how do we all extract as much money as possible from that person to our benefit and then kind of play the the game on our own
0: yeah i think the big knock against uh auction games is often that they're difficult for like early plays and then just become much more rewarding over time. I think that's the case with a lot of, just as a very quick aside of like a lot of these like extremely high interaction games, like the interaction is for experience plays and adds a ton of richness to it. And maybe part of the symptom of me Just getting increasingly frustrated with interaction in games is that because of the way i tend to play games it's with my group is that we're just playing every game once so i just get it just feels random in the first play and then we never get to experience that richness i would say my favorite auction game is raw which is also telling because that's a game where it's a clearly an auction game it's very interactive but also more limited agency is extremely limited by the the sun discs that you have available
1: okay so another example that we often see and i think this is a in terms of adding player interaction to game having it matter uh, but not necessarily having the agency feel too high or not giving players too much of an ability to necessarily directly target and hurt someone else at least without meaningfully helping themselves are games that feature blocking. So I think within modern heroes, we usually see these in, in worker placement games. Things like Agricola, I really need I need the wood, Jake. I'm going for the animal strategy, I have to build fences. I'm gonna go to the wood spot, I blocked you. So we have this nice interactive moment where you're like, ah, oh, curses, I wanted the wood. But you know that I'm going for the wood because I wanna build the fences, not because I wanna kick you in the teeth.
0: Yeah, I think that's, I think that's exactly right. And I think blocking is often more on typically would be like on the low impact Mm -hmm. side of our quadrants that we've built. And I, I mentioned the potential pitfalls on the higher end. And I think one thing that you often hear About as a pitfall for blocking games in particular as sort of like a lower impact form of interaction is that like the incidental interaction feels random Mm. right it's like often a worker placement blocking game doesn't really matter until it just really does for a player and it just feels like wow i just got got and it was just kind of random so clearly there's potential pitfalls to be found across the quadrants
1: okay what about this next one jake what are your thoughts on thinking of trick game trick taking games as player high player interaction games things like the fox in the forest or jackal versus Hyde. i've just named two two two-player games uh which in a that's a zero-sum environment and i think that always makes it feel more interactive but I don't know. Do you think overall trick taking games feel interactive to you?
0: I think the hallmark of trick taking games is that they're low agency. Yeah. Yep. Right. Like the the rules are so strict and often like you have must follow rules or can't follow rules that really limit your ability to make choices, and yet they're like really interactive. So uh, I think maybe we we neglected to to figure this out earlier, but probably like the hallmark of the low agency high impact area of our our quadrant is that's like where trick taking games live which is interesting to maybe know about yourself if you're somebody who loves trick taking games or getting more into them perhaps there's other games to explore that also have lower forms of agency and yet are interactive high have high impact for the
1: interaction yeah that's really cool then there's another common form of interaction i alluded to it earlier is just players don't really interact except there's player agency over the endgame timing. So something like uh, a welcome to a roll and write game where there's all these different endgame conditions that could occur and you're trying to race other players to get more done before everyone else before that endgame triggers. And then that's the spectrum too because we see this in games like Azul, which is slightly more interactive. It really kind of has blocking or hate drafting, uh, but also has player agency over endgame timing or something like Babylonia, another game with player agency over endgame timing that just... Uh, what you're interacting with is the other player's pace. You're all running a race and you're trying to run the race to the most points and the end of the game faster than everyone else, right? Yeah. Races are interactive, but you could also run a race by yourself.
0: <laughs> it's almost like not, and I, I don't say this without a value judgment, but it's almost like the lowest form sure. yeah. of of interaction, right? Like we're doing uh, our our roll and write game designs for the decision space jam contest and I I just recently added a little rate rate a few objectives. Like if you were to play this game multiplayer, now they're now it's interactive because I put some objectives in there. And that was just so easy just to overlay on top of my game without changing a single aspect of the game. Uh, just to, like add some interaction, uh, which I do think changes the decision space yep. in like an interesting and nuanced way, but doesn't really change the actual mechanisms or kind of agency oh, of the game. A hundred
1: all. meter dash feels interactive in a much different way than basketball. Yeah. Right,
0: exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, classic. Right. Yeah. I was talking about races as like a game mechanism, but yes, Actual race yeah. <laughs> works well <laughs> totally. as the example too. Yep.
1: Okay, so then another version of player interaction that came to mind for me was limited communication player interaction. So these are games where the game says you can only communicate with the, the other players in this specific way. So an example a lot of times these end up being party games. So things like just one, where you can write just one word to try to communicate some something to a, a player at the table, or code names where you can say just one word. And a number to try to communicate uh things to other players at the table or hanabi where you have sp- specific rules about what you can communicate or the crew which gives you this really interesting tool where you can kind of tell players what the highest value card of a certain suit is in your hand or the lowest value but not m- much more than that um so this kind of yeah
0: i i don't think what i would say about this one is i think that Limited communication is is not really a form of interaction. I think the form of interaction is cooperation. Sure, 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 sure. And limited communication is like one form of one kind of mechanism that makes cooperation in games more interesting. Yeah, yep. Right. Like like, Pandemic is a there's agent player agency in that too. I think in the same way that there's
1: don't, don't you feel like this in I, I totally agree. I totally agree, and I'm following your line of thinking. Do you think, though, that what we've just identified is that in some ways, right? Like, take code names and turn the player agency super high. Not unlike turning the player agency super high in a game like Zuvadis, the game could lose all meaning, right? If I can just say to you, any word I want, yeah. it stops matter. <laughs> right. Not totally unlike in Zuvadis. Yeah. Though there's, there's more going on. But I'm just saying the phenomena are interestingly this is interesting. linked. Yes,
0: yeah. I, I like this. Like, limited communication, you could say, is a low agency high impact yeah cooperative game yeah okay cool yeah it works really well all right what do we got oh we skipped over no we didn't we have two more yes the next one is political games
1: the what is this this is just games (laughs) where the whole point of the game is politicking or at least the idea is so games like diplomacy or game of thrones which in some ways kind of is a, a rehash of diplomacy where the
0: kind Of, like, debating strength, yeah, de- and relative position, and yeah, the game.
1: and making promises to players you won't keep, uh, saying you'll make a certain decision where you're going to make a different decision. This is high player agency interaction, sort of at its extreme, and makes it the game. It says, Okay, and it's
0: yeah, this is diplomacy, might be like the the king game example, yeah, the queen pin or whatever of the high impact, high agency, agency yeah, games. exactly.
1: And it yeah. can lead to very bad feelings. R- yeah, and it's also
0: like the game that's like most famous for like ending friendships. Totally.
1: But then also <laughs> I think players who really enjoy it, there's there's huge depth in diplomacy where you can pull off really interesting strategies, make interesting uh, interesting alliances that can shape a board in unexpected ways. And I think that, yeah.
0: I think it's, it just illuminates sort of the pitfalls that we've identified both with high impact player interaction and high agency player interaction that like the game that encapsulates those both to such an extreme degree is the game that's famous for like hurt feelings. You know, and I think people yeah. ingest. like, obviously a lot of people enjoy this game. A lot of people have groups that they like to play it with, but it is funny that like that moniker has kind of attached itself. To totally
1: game. and then the final category we had and surely there's other categories that we could have covered and yeah, we'd love yeah. to hear them but is just positive player interaction that's not something we really focused on in this episode and we could probably dedicate a whole episode on it in the future but this is things like co-op games where the game the agency it gives you is to be able to you have a unique set of abilities within the game and you can help someone else to accomplish more than either of you could accomplish by yourself something like pandemic where you could say oh jake on my turn i can do x so You could set me up in this way and together we could solve this problem. And then we see this a little bit less in shared incentive multiplayer games, things like Chicago Express or um, Colorado, where you basically you end up in situations where if I do this, it's going to help us both. And I think I'm going to I'm going to do it because I think I'm beating you overall. So I'll do this and I'll help you. uh, And that might feel good in the short run, but you have to find another way to get ahead of me in the long run. Uh, Sort of things like Let like that when you have those shared incentives which can almost feel like mini alliances henry said in our discord
0: and i think this is increasingly a thing in competitive euro game design i know that um apiary is a game i played recently that has a lot of elements of positive player interaction where a card will say like give everybody a resource Mm. and you get to kind of pick like okay what resource do i give to each player so i want to give them something that helps them Least, it's like backing into a parking a lot- spot
1: instead of pulling in forwards, you know, like, yeah, it's
0: interesting. Right. Right. It's definitely like interactions. So I want to, you know, like, how can I help this person the least is functionally the same of like, how
1: do I help me the most or hurt somebody the yeah. most,
0: but it just feels so much better on the receiving end of like oh i got this benefit yeah. it was like the worst possible benefit but that feels so much better than like hey i'm like taking this away from you or or like you know eliminating your ship over in this area or whatever totally so i think it's interesting and I mean, honestly, I think some people kind of roll their eyes at it just because it's like a far cry from sort of the Euro games that this hobby has, you know, largely been built on top of, which are like really impactful uh, agencies. And and I think you can say there is a distinction there, right, where this is often a lower on the impact, right? Because typically like getting a resource is really going to be a smaller impact in the game than, you know, some of the other things we've talked about. So it is different, but it's definitely still interesting, political calculus, interesting form of interaction, in my opinion. And one that I think, you know, leads to less feel bad moments for certain.
1: Totally. And I think that what's important in this, this whole A lot of our conversation today was about psychology and our experience of games and fairness. And I think that it's a really great point that even if you're functionally doing something the same, the way it's experienced and expressed can really shape your experience of it Um, and the player motivation. Well, I hope that this was an interesting discussion and that you learn some along with us as we discuss these sort of high agency, high interaction games versus low agency, low interaction games and the sort of spectrum between those things. Um, we'd love for you to continue this conversation with us in the Discord, which is a Discord, if you've never heard of it, it's just like a chat room you can access in your browser. We have one just for Decision Space listeners, where there's interesting and meaningful conversations playing out about games every single day. If you're interested in our ongoing Roll and Write game design jam, which Jake alluded to, you could either go to our website, decisionspacepodcast.com and learn more about that, or join our Discord, and we'll tell you all about it.
0: Lots of fun, free to play, print and play roll and rights in the Discord right now that people would love for you to try and give feedback. And I I just, I've had an awesome time. I played one today called Ho Ho Roll and Write about decorating a Christmas tree. And I played one recently about uh, self player pianos and like writing sheet music for them and just like totally cool creative ideas in there check them out
1: awesome well thank you to hembry for our intro and outro song reach out and for all of our pre planners out there we're still planning on covering games like ticket to ride taverns of teeth hall maybe dominion if i can get jake to play it some uh and in the long term bunny kingdom, Ooh, kingdom the richard garfield game
0: so yeah lots of yeah. good stuff wingspan yeah. if we don't mention we it, food stuff? chain
1: magnate. it's coming at some point in the future <laughs> no pitchforks yep. no pitchforks uh,
0: all right well thanks so much y'all and we will talk to you again next week Bye, y'all. Bye.
1: Bye.